This is Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. From the heart of New York City and the tri-state area to the most active real estate hotspots across America. Keeping you plugged in to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news and legal developments to everything you need to know about buying or selling a property. Benefited by the advice of the experts. Now, here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Iron Real Estate, another session of it. I hope you're enjoying your Saturday. I'm broadcasting from Florida, but I hear it's pretty warm in New York. I hope so, because Florida's been kind of dismal. It's been cold and dreary and wet and cloudy. So I hope, and I hear the New York weather is probably better at the moment. But as you know, we're on every Saturday, and, and we're at 10 o'clock, and you can, at 970, and you can uh, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and at Dottie Herman. And I do a monthly mo- newsletter, which I'd love you to read. It's, you can go to www.dottie.herman.com and sign up for my monthly newsletter. And I try to cover some of the things that we don't cover on the show or some of the questions that I frequently get asked. Today we're going to have a special guest on at 11 o'clock. Her name is Stacy Roots and she's a world famous lighting designer. And let me tell you about lighting. Lighting can change the whole look, can change the whole mood, can change the whole, you know, just the whole ambiance of your whole home. And so, you know, when I was redoing my house, I, uh, because I pretty much took my house and did a total redo. And the lighting was really important. I got somebody who really specialized in lighting because I think that you don't realize how important lighting is, but it is, and she's going to tell us all about this. Our show ends 30 minutes earlier this week. It's at 1130, so make sure that you stay tuned because it's an early show. Today, I'm going to do a little about the reports, and then I'm going to do a, a little different kind of show today. Um, I'm going to be joined with our uh, our engineer, and I'm going to just kind of go through some of the most frequently questions that I'm asked, and some of the questions maybe that you wrote to us or asked that we just get, didn't have time to get you on the air. So, uh, But also, if you have any questions, make sure you call. Um, as far as the rentals, we did all the market reports last week. I just want to tell you with Manhattan Rentals, um, they've pretty much stabilized. Um, they're a little higher for the first time in July, but, you know, you can't go month by month. Basically, I would say that the rentals have stabilized. They're high in New York, but they, they stabilized. And new leases surged over uh, for the second year in a row, and that's a lot of affordability issues. People are somewhat, you know, hard to get that down payment up. And also, I think we have an election year, so when we have an election year, people aren't sure which way things are going to go. There's more uncertainties because we have an election year. So sometimes when there's uncertainties, people kind of stay on the sidelines and just kind of don't make decisions. But as I tell you, just stay out there because you shouldn't leave the market. Just you work the market, get to know everything about it, and you'd be surprised. I just uh, had a friend of mine get a deal that was, this property was on the market over a year and a half. 
Now, when I know that something's on the market a year and a half, either it's a total wreck, but everything sells at a price, or it's totally overpriced. And when somebody leaves it on a market, you know, something on the market for a year and a half at this price, I usually think it's not really a serious seller. I think it's kind of a seller that says, listen, I'll put my house up for this price. If it sells, it sells. But if it doesn't, I don't care. Because if you really have to sell your home, you're not going to put it on the ha- You're going to adjust the price. You're not going to leave it at that for a year and a half. Anyway, a friend of mine happened to see the property, and she saw it a year ago. And she liked it, but, you know, it was way, you know, she didn't want to spend the money that it was. It was overpriced. And it just so happened that she met the uh, seller through a broker, and they started talking. And I think they had a really good rapport. And he ended up selling her the house. And this has been on the market, a desirable thing, but, you know, I don't think he was that ready. But I think that she hit him at the right time. So sometimes timing is everything. Somebody gets an offer right away and they don't accept it. Um, they say, oh, well, you know, my house isn't on the property. You know, it's not long enough. I, I want to leave it on a little longer to see if I get a better offer. And sometimes there's never a better offer. Or sometimes they're, you know, maybe down the road a month and a half, they say, you know what, let me just sell this. And they'll take a price that they wouldn't take a month ago. So you need to know timing is everything. And if you make an offer and it doesn't get accepted, I think I told you last week, make a standing offer. Don't rescind the offer. Keep the offer on the record. As far as continuing with rentals, the Brooklyn rentals uh, rose, and there were more, more. Actually, they doubled lease signing this year over last year. And Queens rentals rose. Basically, everything's rising in rentals, and that's because of affordability issues. So people are going to see rentals, and I would say, as my prediction, rentals will stay strong. Okay, you're going to have a strong rental thing. I uh, was doing some homework, and I and I thought this was really interesting for me to talk about because I was reading this, and this is really interesting. Palm Beach County, which is in Florida, led the nation on a scale ranking of what, what we call income gain, meaning income gain is more people move there so that they gained income. And they have been, they have led the country, Palm Beach County, since the start of the pandemic. Meaning the most people, most income has moved there. It hit a milestone in the early chaotic years of the pandemic with more affluence flowing to Palm Beach County than any other county in the nation. Not in Florida, in the nation. As wealth migrated in vast sums to the Sunshine State. Now that was probably because of a lot of reasons. Because if you go back during the pandemic... New York got hit very badly during the pandemic, and the laws, you know, they were very strict, which they should be. You know, you couldn't really eat indoors. You had to eat out, and it's like 20 degrees out, and you couldn't go up to apartments. If your mom was sick, you really couldn't go. They were very strict, and Florida was a lot more lenient during the pandemic, and also weather conditions, and people also, the pandemic started a trend of working at home. And if you could work at home, you can be more mobile. 
So I would see all the York, a lot of New Yorkers here. They said, hey, you know what? Let me get out of the cold for a month or two and maybe go back to New York here and there. It's a short flight. And so they saw a lot, a lot of, of, of money. Okay, actually their adjusted gross income was $7 billion of money that came from other states that moved there. And the runner-up was Miami. But usually Miami was number one. Miami, but this time Palm Beach took it over. Uh, Dade County was third, and then I think Collier County. The largest contributors to the gain in Florida's net income was New York. And New York lost $9.8 billion to the Sunshine State. Now, is that solely because of the pandemic? No, but that was a big part of it. And I would probably tell you that some of the people that were planning to retire or planning to move to Florida just said, you know what, we might as well do it early. We can work from home now. Um, and make, so, you know, so we're New York. You gotta, we gotta get it all together and get some of that, those people back. But I do find that some of the people that come here and think they're gonna love it end up do, going back or keeping a piano to tear somewhere because they miss their relatives, they miss their family, or visiting someplace. I always tell you, don't buy before you rent first and stay in a place because visiting and being on a vacation somewhere is really different than living there. So you have to decide. And also the tax laws are favorable here. The second place they moved was Texas. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, everyone says, well, it's during the pandemic, but this trend of people moving to the Sunshine State really started back in 2006. It's just that it, it kind of really escalated during the pandemic. Um, but if you think about it, it makes sense because executives who move here can fly out of the Palm Beach in the morning and they can get back to New York by the day. You know, they can get back for dinner. It's a short flight. And now they have that train that goes all the way to Miami, which I have not ridden on yet, but I heard it's great. I'm going to try it. And, of course, don't forget, there is no personal income tax. So, uh, you know, and then you're seeing, what I'm seeing here is a lot of Wall Street companies, a lot of big companies, and a lot of restaurants that were in New York, all appearing in Palm Beach, West Palm Beach, Boca. And, of course, that's about branding. But you're seeing, like, Chip Rianne. You're just seeing major restaurants and, you know, that's branding. If you've been to the restaurant in New York and you love it, and then you come to Florida, you're going to go to the same restaurant. So you're seeing all these restaurants and businesses move here, and uh, people are coming with them. So I thought that was really interesting, uh, really an interesting piece of information. Now, when I looked at Zillow, Zillow ranked the best and worst Um in other words, they wrote that, now, <laughs> these are the best places to move and these are the worst. But what really shocked me, which I don't know, maybe it shouldn't shock me and maybe it won't shock you, but Zillow expects Buffalo. Now, I used to have offices in Rochester and Buffalo. <laughs> and let me tell you, they say that Buffalo, New York, will be the nation's hottest real estate market in 2024. Now... I don't know that that that's not an answer I would have given, 
I didn't do the research, though, so maybe they're right. Uh, but that's what they said. Uh, I wouldn't want to spend winters in Buffalo. It's pretty cold. But maybe the sales price is good. Um, and what? And they've had a very, very big increase in the job market in Buffalo. And, of course, jobs bring people. Okay, so Buffalo, Cincinnati, Columbus, Tampa. Some of those are the hottest. Florida and um, Buffalo. Actually, even... Suffolk County, Long Island was one of those places also. So it's really interesting to see where people are migrating to. But the pandemic and working from home has really given people a whole a whole new avenue to look at. When it comes to luxury buyers, I just thought I would give you um, what luxury buyers are looking for and high-end buyers are looking for in 2024 lavish lavish features such as beautiful garages and you'll know you know you don't have to spend a lot of money but they have those garage organizers that really you can make your your garage into a room that you can use for other things um garages kitchens outside for entertaining that's really big this year you know outside outdoor entertaining um Upgraded features, smart home tech and automation, and that's everyone's looking at that, and um, that's big. New meat, so recycle. The trend that we're seeing is a lot of mixing old with new. Builders are incorporating uh, reclaimed brick and wood to offer homeowners flooring, beams, or brick features, and they become a focal point in interesting conversation topics. Show-stopping kitchens. Now, I think kitchens always were a focal point for people because, let's face it, most of mostly everyone gathers in their kitchen. So kitchens are really important. Um, always have been. They're even more important now. And they become the modern-day a must for luxury buyers. Um, it's the heart. A kitchen is usually the heart of the home. And so luxury buyers have chef-grade commercial appliances and design and sleek. It doesn't matter what the look is, but it's open. And it has room to entertain, open floor plans, which have been big for a while and they're still big, um, where people can entertain their guests and be in their kitchen at the same time. So those trends are have been big and are still big. Outdoors, I said, resorts are luxury outdoor places, and even if you have a small space, you can really fix that up very nicely and add to your space with some outdoor space. And some people are even like putting um, like these vents that come out over so that the rain doesn't come in. Uh, you can do a lot with them. So those are some of the biggest trends that are going on. And um, I thought that I would also tell you that some of the more questions that people are asking me is about equity and you know should I buy should I buy or should I sell um, and I want to talk a little about that because equity is really what you get when you buy a, a home you know that's what you're trying to do because renting let's face it those people that rent 
You're never going to make any money. You're never going to make any money. It's just money going out every, every day, every week, every month. Whereas when you buy a home, you're really going to start building equity. And most for most people, their home is their largest investment. Um, so I have Mert on the show. And Mert, good morning, Mert. Good morning, Dottie. How you doing? I'm doing good. You know, it's 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 kind of warm down here, so we're kind of doing the same. I hear it's kind of chilly down there, so at this point in time, we're probably doing about the same, but it's a good day. Happy to be on with you. Oh, yeah. So, you know, as you, you've been the engineer since forever for me, and so you handle some of the questions, and what I thought I'd do today is talk about some of the things um, that people ask most, and I... I, I thought that it was really interesting when people ask, oh, that's the famous question, should I buy or rent? Right. Well, you know, when I get these callers, because a lot of people are actually afraid to go on the air with you, so they pass these questions on to me, and they say, can you relay this to Dottie? And sometimes we get around to them, sometimes we don't. But one of the main ones that I get when it comes to buying and selling, people ask me, can you ask Dottie when is a good time to sell, especially in New York City, when is a good time to sell? Because you always hear about people uh, holding these brownstones and all of a sudden the value goes up significantly. And you hear about brownstones that were $100,000 back in the 80s. Now they're worth $10 million. So that's one of the, that's one of the questions that a lot of people want to ask. Should I sell my property or should I hold on to it and hope for a bigger, you know, payout later on down the road? Or, you know, when's the when's the right time to sell? That's that's a common question. Okay. Well, first of all, that's a hard. You can't answer that question. There's no one answer because there's a lot of factors that goes into whether you should sell. All right. First of all, you should. You know, look at, do you want to sell, okay? Do you right. want to move? Do you, did you outgrow your house? Is it too small? Is it too big? Maybe you want to downsize. Maybe you want to grow more space. So that's A. <coughs> B, before you sell, you should look and decide, where do you want to move to the same area? Do you want to not move to the same area? And if it's a different area, I think that you should do some homework, make sure you know about that area, make sure you check out the schools, the shopping, and then try the commute to work. Okay, make sure that, you know, you drive to where your work is to see, you know, if that's going to be acceptable or if is it too long. And when you do that, I want to tell you that the average homeowner, I'm going to say this after the break again, their net worth is almost, listen to this, 40 times greater than a renter. Does that answer your question? We're going to talk about rent versus buy right after the break. But remember what I said, 40 times greater a homeowner's net worth is than buys, than renters.
Hi, it's Arthur Idala here to talk to you about Bay Ridge Honda, run by the fantastic Sabah family. The Sabah family that I have known since my dad walked in there in 1980 and bought a Honda Accord for my grandfather. My sister's gotten cars there. My brother-in-law's gotten cars there. And you know why? Because the Sabah family makes you feel like you're part of their family. Bay Ridge Honda has New Year's deals. You know, we all make New Year's resolutions. Quit smoking, get more sleep, drink less. How about a New Year's resolution of a new car? At Bay Ridge Honda, they have brand new 2024 Hondas under MSRP, and they're offering lease loyalty bonuses. Finance rates are available. No payments until March of 2024. Best prices around. They will offer you top dollar for your trade-in. So visit the Sabah family at Bay Ridge Honda, 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Brooklyn, New York, or online at BayRidgeHonda.com. 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Brooklyn, New York, or online at BayRidgeHonda.com. Are you ready to embark on an unforgettable expedition this summer? Then join me, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, along with my wife Katie and our special guests on the Patriots Alaska Cruise. We'll unpack the trends and influences shaping our world today while sailing the pristine coast of Alaska over 4th of July weekend. Learn more at PatriotsAlaskaCruise.com. This experience is more than a vacation. It's a chance to participate in spirited discussions and thought-provoking lectures with like-minded patriots seven action-packed days will chart a course through a bright american future all while surrounded by alaska's rustic and natural wonders you'll experience powerful creation immersed in the splendor of glaciers and fjords mark your calendars june 29th to july 6th secure your cabin today by calling 855-565-5519 or online at patriotsalaskacruise.com Hey, it's Joe Piscopo. I'd like to introduce you to the premier business in the investigative and security field in the United States today, Brosnan Risk Consultants, founded by my friend Pat Brosnan, decorated, retired NYPD detective. You must be diligent in protecting the business you worked so hard to grow, family you cherish, and the lifestyle you've achieved. Luckily, there is Brosnan Risk Consultants to keep your business healthy, keep your family safe, and identify the approaching rising tide of danger and loss well before it destroys what you have built. Brosnan Risk Consultants have been protecting clients for over 25 years, operational in 45 states and over 500 cities. Don't settle for second best. Brosnan is the gold standard in investigative and security services. Call now 800-590-2180 or go online to brosnanrisk.com. B-R-O-S-N-A-N-Risk.com. Feel like you're trying to push a boulder uphill wearing skates? If you run or manage a local business today, you're challenged like never before. We get it, and we want to help. We're Salem Surround. We're a full-service marketing agency that'll help you increase your customer base by designing incredibly effective plans to reach your consumers day, night, and everywhere they might be. If you're a local business and want to see what Salem Surround can do for you, Google Salem Surround New York. Remember to Google Salem Surround New York today. Syracuse at North Carolina clash in Chapel Hill Saturday with the Orange still in search of their first ever win at the Dean Dome. Orange pregame Saturday, 11.30 a.m. Tip-off at noon on AM 970, The Answer. New York's home for Syracuse University basketball. Listen to AM 970, The Answer on Alexa. Tune in, iHeart, or odyssey.com. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back, and I was talking about whether you should buy or sell, and I, right before the commercial, 
I gave you these facts, and I think I want to say them again because they're that important. And it's like if you're trying to decide whether to rent or buy, this might help you make a decision. But every three years, the Federal Reserve releases the Survey of Consumer Finance, which compares net worth for homeowners compared to renters. And the latest report shows that the average homeowner's net worth is almost 40 times, which sounds like really high, greater than a renter. One of the reasons for that is the gap between renters and homeowners is because when you buy a home, your mortgage payments acts like a like a forced savings. We are paying every month your mortgage payment. And basically, in the beginning, it's mostly interest, but you're paying down your mortgage. A renter will never see a financial return on the money he pays out or she pays out every month. Okay, and a little tip on when you're paying down your mortgage, and I know I did this. If you have a little extra money, you don't have to... I don't know if everyone knows this. If you have like a little, you have a little extra cash, you can put that towards a mortgage payment, and you can write to the bank, please put this towards the in, my principal mortgage payment. And any time that I had a little extra money, I would put a little portion of it, and it could vary when I had it. Maybe I had it for three months in a row, then I didn't have it for six months, and I was able to pay my mortgage off a lot quicker. So if you have a little spare cash and you want to put that towards your mortgage. It doesn't have to be like a regular amount. You can do it whenever. But it does help. Now, now, Dottie, can I ask you a question? This is coming from Mert right now. Can I ask you a question, Dottie? Mm-hmm. What, buying a house almost sounds like you're renting from a bank. Can you really explain what's the difference? Because I hear all these 25-year mortgages and, you know, What's the real difference? Because, you, you know, you're looking 25 years into the future until you actually own this property. So in the meantime, if you sell, if you want to leave this property before that mortgage is up, what happens? Can you explain how that works? Because these mortgages almost sound like you're just renting from the bank versus a landlord. You, you understand what I'm trying to say? Well, here? I, I understand what you're saying. But hopefully that's where equity and appreciation comes in. So, in other words, if I bought a home and let's just say I paid $700,000 for it right. and I put down 300000 and I had, well, yeah, and I have a $400,000 mortgage, in the beginning I'm paying mostly interest, but eventually I'm going to eat into principal and I'm really paying off the amount of my home. I'm paying right the equity. So hopefully if you take it, let's just say you took a 25-year mortgage or a 30-year mortgage, at the end of that mortgage, your home is paid off, should be paid off. Right. And then let's assume you were going to sell it, then that cash is yours. Whereas if you rented for 25 years, okay, now you might not have all the expenses that come with home ownership because home ownership, there's always something that goes wrong. There's always expenses. But if you rented for 25 years, after the 25 years, you wouldn't have anything to show for that. Right. Does that make sense to no, you? No, that, that makes sense because, you know, since I've never dived into the home owning, you know, experience, I get kind of confused because people say I took out a 25, 30-year, you know, mortgage. 
And it sounds like you're just renting from the bank along with having to pay for all the expenses that come up with owning, I mean, with, yeah, with owning a home. Well, you're borrowing money from the bank, but you're buying an asset. Right. And hopefully you do your homework and you try to buy an asset that over time will appreciate. So, um, for example, and, and you know, I tell people, you have to start somewhere because I'm not a believer in renting unless you're only going to be in an area for less than five years and you, then it doesn't make sense. But I'm a believer. Home ownership is the way to go and it doesn't have to be a lot of money. You just have to start somewhere. So for those people who find themselves, hey, take that dream list of what you, all the things that you want. And cut that dream list into what you need. Okay? Needs needs versus versus wants. In other words, you might want a million things. Right. Take a a piece of paper, divide it in half. On one side, put needs. This is what I must have. And then on the other side, these are all the things I'd like to have, but I don't have to have them. Right. All right? And you have to start somewhere. My first house, I think I've said this a million times. I would have never bought it. I, I, I collected some money. I was probably in college. I was, and I collected some money from an accident I was in. And I was, oh, Dad, I'm going to Europe. I was all excited. He said, no, buy a house. And it was the last thing that I would even think about at the time. He said, no, trust me, buy a house. And there was this little tiny two-bedroom cottage that really was so tiny, and I think I've told you this, that when you sat in the kitchen, if you leaned back on your chair, you hit into the refrigerator. That's how tiny it was. But it was probably the cheapest house. The area was worth more. And I just listened to him, and I bought it. Okay? And um, that house, which I could have had a nicer apartment, I believe, if I rented, but that house, I think I bought it, oh God, it was so long ago, I, you know, that maybe I bought it for 40 or 45 or 50,000, something like that. And then when I went to sell it, it was worth 75 or 80. And that's how I ended up buying my second house. You know what, Dottie, that's what you just brought up there was actually one of the most common questions as well. All these people who want to get into the flipping housing industry you know what i'm saying who want to go buy these right right projects. All shows yeah yeah how much of that is you better really know what you're doing versus hey if you buy this textbook you can flip houses too you know like how much of this is like it's not wow. as easy as it looks no it isn't and i you know i i've gone to some of those seminars just to hear what they have to say listen those shows are really great. You know, they flip the house. It looks like a brand new house. They did it like in like two weeks. Right. Okay. Now, I'm not saying you can never do it, but you really have to know what you're doing. And you probably have to have people that are in the business that can do it for cheap. Right. All right. Um, but if you want to flip a house, you can't, I mean, unless you have extra money, you can't know when it will sell. So you have to have cash to maintain it. Right. Until it sells. 
Because you know a lot of people think, hey, I'll just fix this house up and it'll sell in two weeks. You're saying some of these properties, you might have to wait two, three years just for somebody to come and buy it. Well, I would hope you don't have to. I, I think we're in a market today. I can only speak for 2023, 2024. We're in a market where there's not a lot of inventory. So if you're looking to buy a house that you want to eventually flip, first of all, you look at the market. You look at what's, you know, there's, there's not a lot of inventory. So more than likely, if it's priced well, it will sell. So you have to look at how much goes into it. I mean, how much money do you really need to put into it to make it get a profit? And how much is it going to cost you to do the work? Okay, so, you know, these, if you, if you have people who can do the work or you can do the work, um, it really, there's no rule. Now, could you make money? Yes. Could you lose money? Yes. You really have to know what you're doing, and it depends on the price you get it for. It depends. We're in a market now where I think most things do sell because there's no inventory. So if you find something and you want to look at, you know what, the best houses to buy and flip mm. are ones that really don't have structural damage, like the roof's not falling apart, the Oil burners are good that are cosmetically. It's like somebody who never touched their house for 25 years. Right. It has an old kitchen, an old bath. They didn't paint it. And, you know, I was on TV. This is about, I don't know, seven years ago. I think I was on 2020. They gave me this house in an area that I did not even know. It was not a listing of um, ours. Right. And they said, here's $5,000. This house has been on the market for one year. Here's $5,000 in 24 hours. You need to put this house in shape so it can sell. I had one day to do it in 24 hours. Is 5000 enough? That don't sound like enough for a house. Well, let me tell you what I did. It was a small house. The first thing I did was get all the junk out of it. Threw all that stuff out. There was a lot of junk, and you want a house to show well. The second thing I did, ripped up all... The old rugs that were worn. And underneath the rugs, I found beautiful hardwood floors. That was the second thing I did. The third thing I did was sand all those floors and varnish them and just clean them up. And it, they turned out to be beautiful wood floors. I think the fourth thing I did, I'll save as a cliffhanger after the break. But I will tell you, when I was done, the house sold in two weeks. In two weeks, after it was been on the market for one year. I'll talk a little about that after the break. This is Joe Piscopo. The following is a medical minute sponsored by my friends at InfuCare RX, a leading specialty infusion pharmacy provider for patients with complex conditions. InfuCareRx.com, improving quality of life one patient at a time. Here is Dr. Tina Zeka, Allergy and Asthma Associates of Monmouth County, with this week's medical minute. Primary immunodeficiency is a group of disorders that's characterized by deficiency in various components that are important in preventing infections in both children and adults. Patients usually present with recurrent infections. 
The prevalence of primary immunodeficiency is usually one patient in every 1,200 individuals. The overall incidence is around 1 in 10,000 and more prevalent in the pediatric population. This Medical Minute is sponsored by InfuCareRx, and the information, comments, or views expressed by the guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of InfuCareRx. Please consult your medical professional for any medical questions, opinions, or guidance. Feel like you're trying to push a boulder uphill wearing skates? If you run or manage a local business today, you're challenged like never before. We get it, and we want to help. We're Salem Surround, and when it comes to marketing, consider us your personal move-you-forward company. In a recent study, we found that 53% of local businesses were classified as novices when it came to designing, implementing, and managing their marketing needs. And that's where Salem Surround truly shines. We're a full-service marketing agency that'll help you increase your customer base by designing incredibly effective plans to reach your consumers day, night, and everywhere they might be. Let us give you an absolutely free audit of your current marketing and what your competition is doing. Our digital sales and support teams are the best in the industry and deliver customized personal service that's second to none. If you're a local business and ready for the next step, Google Salem Surround New York right now. Our experts are ready to help you take your marketing to the next level. Google Salem Surround New York today. Hey, Joe Piscopo here. If you need a Cadillac, you got to see my good friend Bill Camastro at Gold Coast Cadillac, awarded Cadillac Dealer of the Year 27 times. Bill's team is the gold standard of customer service from start to finish. It's first class all the way. Speaking of service, are you part of the Gold Club yet? Bill takes care of you, your family, your friends with the Gold Coast Cadillac Gold Club. Sign up online at goldcoastcadillac.com for service benefits that you can share with friends and family, even if they didn't buy from Gold Coast. Gold Coast is getting even bigger and better with its brand new service facility expected to be completed by early 2024. Gold Coast Cadillac in Oakhurst, New Jersey. Bill took care of me and he's going to take care of you too. Shop goldcoastcadillac.com or call Bill directly at 845-568-7336. Shop goldcoastcadillac.com or call Bill directly at 845-568-7336. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. I'm Ference Toth, host of the Your Personal Bank Show. I use common sense as an entrepreneur, financial literacy educator, and speaker to understand how current events affect our money, economy, and our freedom. Grow your money safely, reduce taxes, increase returns, and create positive arbitrage with Your Personal Bank. Tune in Saturdays at 4 p.m. or contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. The Your Personal Bank Show with Ference, Saturdays at 4 p.m. on AM 970 The Answer. I feel so stuck. The Veterans Crisis Line is here for you. Dial 988, then press 1 to call. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We were talking about the pluses of home ownerships, and then I was asked, can you flip a house and make a lot of money overnight? Well, anything's possible, but when you look at those flip shows, I mean, those guys are, you know, they have all the right tools, you know, and you really can't make a statement across the board. You'd have to know the price, the area, what what the house is worth fixed. But it can be done, but usually it's not done in 24 hours. I don't think this is a flipping market. I think that you can buy a home and 
make an investment and you know you might you might want to rent it or you might want to sell it but then you have to have some cash to carry it and you have to have the cash to fix it and things of that nature but you could also find homes that are cheaper right and if you know i tell people you got to start somewhere so even if you buy a home that you really for example if you buy a home near an airport, it'll probably be less money because if they hear the planes, that's an annoyance. So those go for less. Okay? If you buy a home near a cemetery. Now, okay, you would have quiet neighbors, but a lot of people are spooked. Wait a minute, Dottie. Let me ask you. Dottie, wait a minute. So a house closer to an airport, where does that balance where that's actually value where is it like i live close to the airport so it's well if it's, the, if, if, the, if the pattern if, if the planes fly over you know your your property where you're always hearing the planes and you're hearing that noise constantly right. that's a deterrent to a home right so it would probably go for less right but you know but there's there you know just like if you have um if you have a home that's near um you know, the airport, that's one thing. If you have a home that... Uh, is right over the plane's landing, that's that's a different thing. Yeah, but if you have a home... Now, my friend has bought a place in, uh, actually, Florida. And she was saying to me... Now, honestly, she's saying to me, look at the view I have. She had this wraparound terrace, okay? Mm-hmm. And you could walk on the whole terrace. And she said, look, I have all open fields. Like, in front of her were two empty, like, lots that you could see right... Th- to the water, and then on the left of her was a cemetery. Now, with the cemetery, okay, the the if you can, if I personally wouldn't want to look at a cemetery, but some people it doesn't bother. So if it doesn't bother you, you would get a cheaper price for that, and you never have to worry that it's going to have any encumbrances because they're not going to build on it. But what she didn't do an investigation on is the land in front of her. Which she thought, gee, look, I have all these views. Right. And what she didn't do was her research to find out they were building two buildings on that land, which she they hadn't started yet, but they were. So when you're looking at properties, you know. Didn't, don't you have a similar story where you bought this property or you bought this apartment and you thought you were going to have a view and then yes. they built up? A building and took away your view. Don't you have a similar story to that? You have a good memory. Yeah. Yes, because you know I wasn't really. I was from Long Island, so when when I was buying in the city, I really I knew what air rights were, and that's the right to build above wherever the building's height is to build above it. I didn't. I knew a little about it, but I didn't really investigate. And so the apartment that I had that I bought had a beautiful view of the water the east and um, sure enough a couple of years later a builder there was a building there but I was higher than the building so I you know I could see I had a great view the builder exercised his air rights which are what you, you if you have rights to build above where that building ends and he built another 10 stories and then there goes my view was gone <laughs> right I wanted to take a, a picture of him, and I said, I was hoping you'd go bankrupt. <laughs> right. Okay? And not only that it was gone, it also took the value of my property down because now I had no view. Right. 
all right? So that's kind of research you should do if you're buying something, in, especially in a city. Uh, you know, you should look and see if the what the building codes are, if they can build. Or if you if you are buying next to a lot that's empty, you want to see what they can build there. Um, I would suggest you always work with a good broker because as much as people think it's easy, probably buying a home is the largest investment you're going to make. So you want to buy smart. Uh, and you want to buy, you know, in your level. And you want to be able to have a broker who knows. And I don't think many people ask this question, but a good broker who knows how to negotiate. Right. Because negotiating a deal is really a key skill. Okay, because when you when you present an offer, you know you, you're probably going to present a little bit lower than and and back and forth and back and forth. And you know something, the way you negotiate a deal, I've seen deals fall apart because they were just not negotiated correctly, or they got the seller mad. And remember, in a negotiation, the way you want it to turn out is where both people feel like they want. Right. Okay, but ha- most people feel like they won. I have I have another question. This might be like a this is a this is actually a good one in my opinion. What is more challenging to to be profitable with, a residential or a commercial type property? Which one is easier to you know flip and get going versus which one is a little bit more difficult and you're gonna have to really invest your time and energy in to see it through. Well, commercial versus residential. That's that's kind of a hard question to answer because really there's too many factors, you know. But I would say, look, if you're starting out and you don't know much about commercial property, you know, and there's a lot of different types of commercial property. There's income-producing property where the value, you don't look at the price, you look at the what, what the rent is and how much rent it generates. I would say you have to know more about commercial Mm-hmm. It's not something I would do without either working with someone who is really knowledgeable about commercial property. Right. Uh, if I was just starting out, I would probably start out with, I think a residential is easier, and then I would look at comps in the area, like what's sold in the area, how much it's sold for. Uh, and again, if I could find a home where they didn't do, it was structurally sound, but they didn't do any work to it, whereas a lot of cosmetic work, like I was saying in that story, I took five thousand dollars in twenty-four hours. Right. I did the floors because when I ripped up the ugly rugs, they were wood floors, and we just like had the we got the machines and did them. Then I took all the walls and painted them white because they hadn't been painted for twenty years, and they were like you know dull and yellow. Painted everything white. I had a window guy come in and wash all the windows so they sparkled. Threw all the furniture out. And I swear to you, I, I still have the film that was on 2020. It sold. It was on the market a year after I spent a mere $5,000 cleaning it out, taking the rugs off, doing the floors, painting, and getting rid of all the junk. It sold in two weeks. Right. And it was not a lot of money and investment, okay? You know, it's, it's really, like I said, when, you, when, you, when you're going to sell your home, that's what you do. Clear out all the stuff in the house, even if you want to keep it, put it in storage somewhere or let somebody put it in their basement. Clean all the windows, get rid of bad rugs, take all the, you know, the stuff you have on the refrigerator, the magnets and all that, get rid of those. 
Get rid of all the tchotchkes you have around because a home shows better with less in it. it. That's why you'll notice. You know, sometimes you see these model homes. Yeah. It's all, it's all about what's, how they decorate them. You know what, uh, Dottie, you know what, you're, I'm a good judge of character. And the answer you gave earlier where it's going to take, it, I need a lot more information to answer these questions. That's what people need to understand because when you get these dreams sold to people where they say, buy this property and you can be rich. It's like, no, you really need to know what's going on. You need to know all the factors. You need to know what the what the surrounding is is in terms of there's nothing selling here. Why do you think you're going to sell here? Or this is high. Well, it all depends on price. It all depends on your financial situation. Right. You need to know okay. all that. Yeah. A question I get asked a lot is, should I pay off my mortgage or should I have a mortgage? Right. Okay. If I have the money to pay off my mortgage, should I pay the mortgage off or should I still keep a mortgage? Now, there's not a good, there's a million answers. One answer is, well, it depends on your interest rate. If you have a high interest rate, maybe you want to either refinance it or pay it off. But if you pay it off, okay, do you, if you, do you want to invest that money someplace? Right. Okay. Um, or do you, but you, you know, you don't, do you want to just use some of the equity? Because when you buy a home, if you buy it and it appreciates, you have created equity. Right. Let me tell you something. The biggest wealth builder for people is their homes. Right. And I don't think it's that complicated of an investment. Like I don't touch the stock market. Why? Because I really don't follow it left and right, you know, and I don't, I'm not on top of it. Okay, with real estate, I think that if you're on top of it and you work with a good broker, okay, and then if you're, you know, you, you exercise um, good common sense when you're buying. That's the key right there, common sense. Instead of dreaming, you want to have common sense. And I'm, I'm glad you're speaking like this instead of trying to sell people a dream because you can make this stuff happen if you approach it with common sense instead of, well, how much money do you need? I'm going to give you everything you need and you're going to take care of it. No, you got to use common sense when dealing with this type of stuff. Well, it's not only how much, you know, it's how much money you need. It's whether you put 25% down or maybe you put 10% down. Okay. You have to know the options. So the first thing that you do is, first of all, you want to go to a bank. And I say this all the time and see what you qualify for. Right. Then the second thing that you need to do, especially if you're buying with a partner, you want to see how you want to live. Like some people will say, hey, listen, I'll give up going to dinner. I'll give up going out. But I'd rather buy this house that is a little more money than I wanted. But I don't mind sacrificing. Other people say, I don't want to be house poor. So you have to decide how you want to live. Okay. Right. You know, that's important. Okay. And then you want to have an engineer's report done. You don't want to look for like little things here and there because every house is going to have stuff wrong with it. But you want to look at things there major defects. Right. Does it, does it need a new roof? Does it need other termites? Okay. Major stuff. Okay. Because if there's major stuff and it's going to cost a lot of money and you didn't find that out ahead of time, you did, then you, you don't anticipate that. Whereas if you find that there's a major thing and there's a seller, you can tell the seller. And usually you can negotiate that. Maybe the seller will give you a credit to get a new roof or some portion of it. So you want to have an engineer's report. And when you do an engineer's report, 
you would like to meet the engineer and see that go through the house with the engineer because if you just get a report back from the engineer it's like written in another language right and you won't really know how much it's really going to cost and so if you go with the engineer and he says well it needs a new roof well does it need a new roof or does it need just some extra tiles does it need you know how bad is the termite damage you can ask him and what would the cost to repair it be right now, Dottie, one last question. With that 2020 uh, segment where you flipped that house with $5,000, how long do you think it took you in terms of learning the business for you, to be, for you to be able to flip that money into that house and turn it and make it a, a, a more valuable property? How long do you think it took you to get to that point? No, if you saw me and they televised the whole thing, I was calling every painter, everyone I knew. Mm-hmm. It, I, I didn't do anything that was rocket science. Right. Common okay? sense once again. Yep. I didn't do anything that you have to be in the business 25 years to know. What I did is make the house clean. Right. Okay. I painted the walls. I got rid of the junk. Okay. I took the old worn carpets up and there were hardwood floors under that and I, you know, buffed them up. And when something has clean white walls... The windows sparkle. There's not a lot of junk in there, all right? And it's clean. That makes a big difference. People are visual. Right. All right? And that house stood on the market for one year. And it wasn't a lot of, like, anything major that I did. Okay? I didn't put a new kitchen in. Okay? I didn't do any of those kind of things. All right? If you want to, you can put a like new countertops in. There's not a lot of money, or you can change maybe the the handles on the kitchen cabinets, where you could paint them. Okay, it's depending on your budget. But basically, I didn't do anything that most people with common sense wouldn't think. So I'm going to say it again, and we have a we're going to be back at the news. We'll continue to talk about this and how to look for good investments in real estate. But we have a guest uh, at 11 o'clock. She's going to be talking about lighting. And lighting is so important in a home, okay, that you really want to know all about it because it makes a whole difference in the lighting. And we'll be in with our next guest right after the break. 